of the lyrics of the music of the worship songs, uh, especially today, because it's kind of like, oh, that wasn't my father's or grandfather's worship music. Uh, and oh, the word ravished. I don't usually sing that in a hymn or, um, you know, or God doesn't, yeah, God doesn't tease us. God doesn't tease us. It's really unique, right? It's really real and raw and refreshing, actually, to really be able to come and sing and not just sing songs, just sing songs because they're popular, they're on 105.3, but to sing songs that with words that maybe we resonate with, right? Maybe I was joking this morning because um, they were practicing that song, Pieces, and it talks about how God doesn't tease us, right? And it made me think of Jewel, you know, you know Jewel the singer, and that song, These Foolish Game, right? So I started singing them both side by side as like a contradiction to each other, right? These foolish games are tearing me, tearing me to pieces. <laughs> but God doesn't play games with us, right? God doesn't tease us. God doesn't take away his love or give us love in pieces, but he gives it fully and wholly with wild abandon, and he asks us, he invites us into that kind of relationship. And uh, usually, you know, when people are so gung-ho, like if I went to Phil and said, Oh, Phil, I want to be your friend. Let's be friends. Let's hang out. You know, he'd be kind of like, whoa, 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 that's a little too much. But with God, I think it's all right. You know, it's all right to just kind of let it go and be like, oh, can I, can I jump into your love? Like, I want to I go run with you. Um, so we are in the second week of a series called Grow, and basically... It is what it's called, grow. So we're going to be talking about what it means to grow in our faith, what it means to be, grow in our spirituality, what it means to grow as a community, what it means to grow as a church, uh, all of those things. And uh, so every week there will be a different kind of emphasis on growth. And this week uh, the sermon is titled Grow in Compassion. So it will be like grow in Love, grow in this, grow in that, grow in prayer. And this week is grow in compassion. And our passage comes from Mark 6.34, one verse. Actually, 6.33 through 34, two verses I'm going to read. Um, and let's read that now. Many people saw them leaving and recognized them. So they ran ahead from all the cities and arrived before them. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. This is the word of the Lord. So I have a question to ask you. Um, and I want you guys to be upfront and honest and real and out loud. Do you, how many of you cry in movies? <laughs> Raise your hand. You can admit it. All right. Oh, okay, let's ask it again. Have cried in a movie. Oh my gosh, there's some cold-blooded people in here. <laughs> okay, someone get offer me like what movie and what part did you cry at? It's Inside Out. Inside Out. Okay. Oh, I haven't watched it. 
<laughs> okay. I have to admit, up, there's two places I cried in up, and uh, not cried, there's just something in my eye. But anyways, in up, when he's going through the scrapbook. Anyone else? Any other movie parts? It's okay. You can be vulnerable up in this place. Okay. <laughs> You're going to have to explain that. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Oh, the lift. <laughs> when they do it and the parents, the dad's watching. Yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. Anyone else? Braveheart. Miracle on 34th Street? All right. <laughs> it's okay, you can cry right now. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, the reason why I ask is, and for those of you who said you don't cry, you don't count. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, the reason why I, uh, I say this is because there are things that make us cry, right? Just really pull at our heartstrings. And we, they easily do that for us, right? And this is not to put anyone on the spot or to make us, give us all the guilt trip. But it's so easy to cry at Walt Disney animated films, right? Because somehow we connect. It, you know, that scene resonates with something that we hold dear, that is in a deep well that inspires or you know, brings up emotion in us. And we connect with that. And it's easy for us to feel emotion and passion and compassion and empathy for those characters. And yet, with our very neighbors around us, it's very difficult to have compassion, right? You see a homeless person or you see someone suffering, right? And it's hard, you know, usually it's not compassion that comes up in our hearts, right? If we're honest with ourselves, it's cynicism, right? Like, dude, get a job. Dude, you smell. Dude, stop drinking alcohol. I'm not gonna give you money, you know? Um, all of those things. And we've probably seen so many World, World Vision commercials or World Concern with children you know, starving. Actually, children always get me anyways. <laughs> but it's almost as we, we've gotten numb to it, to other people's suffering, to other people's situations, to other people's stories, right? To humanity around us, to connection with our own family, our brothers and sisters in the world. We've lost that um, ability uh, to feel compassion to be moved in our spirit. And um, this is what I wanna talk about because one of the things that separates, I think, the people of Christ, the church, with the rest of the world is we are a people of compassion. And as we'll see as we read, Jesus felt compassion for people. God feels love and compassion for people. That's why Jesus came to earth. Right? That's why he was born. 
That's why he incarnated, right? God sent Jesus um, because he had compassion for God to love the world. He felt for the world. He felt for each one of us. And so he came down, right? And um, my, uh, my little definition for compassion is compassion equals movement, movement that is a response to our own hearts being moved, right? Because our hearts are moved, we then go and move. Does that make sense? And so compassion is not something that's aloof, detached, right? That doesn't feel anything. Um, compassion, by its very nature, by its very definition, involves our own hearts being stirred, right? Feeling something. And because our hearts are stirred and we feel something, we're moved to act. We're moved to express that. Uh, towards the other. You guys with me? All right. So our, our, a, our, um, our little passage, our couple of verses, comes from Mark chapter 6, the Gospel of Mark chapter 6. And actually, in this very chapter, Mark 6, a lot happens. It's full. It's a full chapter. So the first thing you'll see is that um, Jesus arrives in his hometown, back to his hometown, in Mark 6, and you read uh, about how he goes to the temples to teach, and he's trying to heal, but not, not many miracles are happening. Not as much healing or, or, or miracles are happening as he's teaching in his hometown as they did before in surrounding areas. Um, and so Jesus makes this famous kind of comment that a prophet is never loved in his own hometown. Right? Basically saying, you know, because people were dubious and skeptical of Jesus. They were like, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Jesus who we knew? Right? That's, that, that's little J Johnny down the street. Right? He, surely he can't be doing all these great things. So that's one of the things that happened. Secondly, uh, Jesus sends his, this is a part in chapter 6 where Jesus sends his disciples. So after he leaves his hometown, they go into the surrounding towns he sends his disciples in pairs, two by two, to teach, heal, and cast out demons. And it says he gives them his, the same authority that he has. He gives them the power to heal. He gives them the power to cast out demons. And they go, and he says, you two go there, you two go there, you two go there. And they do the same things that Jesus does. Also in this chapter, John the Baptist is executed by Herod. So there's this side story about John the Baptist saying that because Herod married his sister-in-law or something like that, and John the Baptist had something to say. So Herodias was like, I don't, want, I don't like John the Baptist. Execute him. And so Herod executes John the Baptist. So that's in there. Also, in Mark chapter 6, we have the feeding, the miracle of the feeding, the feeding of the 5K, right, 5,000. Earlier we sang 10K Reason. Um, <laughs> the feeding of the 5,000. Um, and then there's also the story of Jesus walking on water, right? Disciples are rowing their boat. There's a storm across the big lake, big sea. 
freaking out. God, save us. We're going to die. And Jesus rolls in. And it says, he was about to just pass the boat. We're like, oh, it did. He's like, no. And they're like, Jesus, save us. So Jesus walks on water. Uh, when they're on the other side of the lake, apparently all the people from the feeding were picking up all their friends, all their relatives, all the people who they knew needed healing. They're like picking up people along the way, and they ran the long way on land around the sea to meet Jesus on the other side. And then the disciples are like, oh. We just got through a storm, right? And they look, oh my gosh, more masses. They're like, can we get a break, Jesus? Give us a break. And Jesus has a massive healing session, just healing people left and right, healing the masses. So this is chapter six. And in the center of this storm of activity is the quick reference our chapter, our verse, that I'm upon seeing a large crowd, he had compassion. No, never mind. Uh, he had compassion uh, on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And when you hear sheep and shepherd, what what make you, what does that make you think of? Sheep and shepherd, sheep and shepherd. I think of the Psalms, or one of the most famous Psalms, Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. Surely goodness kindness shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord leads me in the grass. The Lord leads me beside still waters. And so in this, we're reminded that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the divine shepherd, the Lord. Jesus is as the the psalmist is referring to the one who leads us, who provides for us, who, who provides safe passage, who brings us to rushing waters, right? Who gives us abundance and makes uh, our cup overflow. And so when Jesus sees the people, right, it says that he has compassion. Jesus has compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And just to give context, so where this happens in chapter six is right after that he had sent out the disciples in pairs, like they just did a, a load of ministry. Right? They're going from town to town, healing people. And it says that Jesus, you know, he was feeling for his disciples. He was like, it's time for a Sabbath, right? Let's go to a lonely place, it says. And let's just have a retreat, retreat of silence. So they go to the retreat center. And the disciples are like, oh, yes, a good week or two weeks or however long it was of ministry, you know, loving on people, sweating, you know, being on the road. We're on the road. 
doing, 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 doing. And now we're on a retreat with Jesus, right? They're playing Akisan or whatever, throwing the ultimate disc during it. And, uh, but it says that the people recognized Jesus and his disciples and then they start flocking right to them and uh, that this is when Jesus was like oh he has compassion on us and these are like hungry desperate I don't know if you guys have worked with children like in summer camps or VBSs like sweaty kids with sticky like popsicle stuff on their face and they're like David David carry me give me a piggyback ride and they're like hanging on your arms and you know inside you just want to like like the matrix like Neo just throw them all off right all the Asian <laughs> agents like throw them off like get off me right uh, raging inside but you're like okay kids um you just, you know, I just don't have enough gas in the tank. I don't have enough in my heart. I don't have anything to give, right? I don't have anything to give. And so uh, the disciples are like, you know, let's just send them home. It's getting late, right? People need to eat. They're hungry. We don't have any food. We don't have any money. Just send them home, right? I was like, I don't want it to host anymore. You know, just get them out. Get them out. And Jesus was like, you feed them. They're like, oh, no. Right? And all of their conviction and all of the choices they made to follow Jesus all was like, why did we do this? I'm so tired. I just want to watch Netflix and sit on my couch and just be alone. I don't want these hungry, sniveling people. I don't want to feed them. Ministry. Loving people. I don't have enough. I just need to love myself right now. Um, and Jesus says, you feed them. It's like, ouch. Yeah, ouch. So over on Mark, the big picture, not just Mark 6, uh, ushering in the mark is focused in on ushering the ushering in of the kingdom of God inaugurated through Jesus Christ the person and figure of Jesus Christ right and what this means is Jesus mark is focused on Jesus's identity as the son of God as the Messiah as one who has authority authority over the storms and the seas authority to cast out demons, authority to forgive sins, authority to heal, let the crippled walk, let the blind see. He has authority, um, and this authority and this power is sometimes contra the world's economy, right? It jacks up the world's and the world's way of thinking. He's healing people, and everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Religious leaders are freaking out, and people are like, oh, who is this? can't deal with this. Um, the other thing that Mark emphasizes overall is immediately, the word immediately or at once is repeated over 40 times in the book of Mark. 
So there's this urgency of the gospel, the urgency of Jesus' mission. So he goes, it goes from one episode to the next episode to the next ep episode, almost at a frantic pace. But what I want to interject here and what I want to be careful of, what I'm not saying is Jesus just wants us to get out there and love at all times. Right? Forget about rest. Forget about yourself. Go, right? No boundaries. That's what Jesus, all that Christ, stuff about Christian boundaries, right? It's out the door. That's not what I'm saying, right? Urgency of the gospel does not equal busyness, right? Immediately equals urgency of the gospel, but this doesn't equal busyness, which is the idolatry of agenda and control. Busyness is us, right? I'm busy, I'm busy, I keep busy, right? Because I like control. I like to, you know, stay busy so I don't have to feel, or whatever it is. Stay busy so I look important. Um, urgency is different than busyness. And Jesus had urgency, right? When Jesus saw the people, it was like, this is a Kairos kingdom moment. I must love these people, right? Because God has put this opportunity in front of me. And I'm going to say yes to that opportunity. Are you with me? Amen? Um, and so Jesus responds to the compassion. Again, here's the move. He's moved within because he sees the people. Compassion. And then he's moved to move outward. And so it says that he, uh, one, they fed him, right? He took care of their physical needs. And then he also taught, right? So physical needs and teaching truth uh, went hand in hand for Jesus. It was this act of love and compassion. And so if you go around to uh, like parachurch ministries or ministries of compassion, right, there's differing philosophies. Like one of the questions you may ask an organization, a Christian organization is, you know, how do you speak the gospel to people that you're caring for, to homeless people or runaways or prostitute ministry or whatever you're giving, you know, how do you preach the gospel? And one organization might say, we don't even overtly tell them about Jesus. We just think it's meet their physical needs, right? Love on them, love on them. And through the loving, they'll experience the love of Jesus in us. So that's one way. Other organizations are like, we give them the gospel. We have a chapel and we go boom, boom, right? And, uh, and we make sure with everything we give, there's the truth. So there's different philosophies. But I think when you see the, the life of Jesus, it's both and, right? It's he preaches, he teaches the truth, but he also cares about meeting the needs of people and loving on them, even to the point of clothing them, feeding them, and healing them physically. And so that's in and of itself is a lesson to us in our uh, acts of compassion and our ministries of compassion is we, it's important to meet the needs of people, right? You may say, oh, that's tedious. Oh, you know, how cliche. Right? Give people socks or, you know, feed people. But that's one of the most kind of effective ways, you know, to love on Jesus is the great, great shepherd. 
compassion equals, so compassion equals movement that is a response to our hearts being moved. And it's not empty activity that leaves us untouched. In this way, compassion is dirty. It's downright dirty, right? It's risky, right? It's dangerous. It's, it has the potential to suck from us, right? If we get too involved. It involves our heart, right? And quite frankly, it's a lot easier for me to just give money. Okay, out there. I give money, right? It's a lot harder to really involve my heart. So it's not empty activity that leaves us untouched. So who are we in the story? Who are you in the story? Are you the sheep without a shepherd? Are you the people who are coming to Jesus in need? Right? And needing healing. Needing food. Right? Desiring to be met by Jesus. Or are we like the disciples, the many shepherds that are being commanded to feed the people? Right? And I think it's both. Right? I think it's both. As Christians, we're both. We're so hungry. We're so thirsty. We so need Jesus' love in our lives. Right? You can be the most ambitious, most neurotic, most type A, most like driven person. Believe me, I, I'm totally that person, affectionate, driven. You may not be able to tell because I'm so laid back, right? But I'm driven, right? And uh, just look at my school transcript. Um, and, and all my notes and all my materials. Um, anyway, you may be the most driven person, right? But at the end of the day, and I'm going to tell you this truth, you do not have enough resources to do what you need to do. You are not end of the day, you are counting empty. You will hit empty. You will hit the wall. You are not in control. Control is an illusion. Right? And at the end of that illusion, that's where faith begins. Right? When we begin to say, I need Jesus. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. That's when our hearts begin to open up. our hearts and to turn that tundra into fertile ground again. Right? Softening us. Amen? Amen? And when we become people who allow God to touch us and to move us, then we grow as compassionate people. Because, oh my gosh, people with soft, open hearts become compassionate, loving people. Oh, oh my gosh concept, right? Because we feel, I empathize, I walked a day, two days, three weeks in your shoes. I know what it's like 
to experience what you've experienced. Maybe not exactly, right? But I've been there. And something moves in me when you are telling me your story. And I want to move out, reach out to you. That's compassion. And you can't do that when you've got a tundra heart, right? When everything's frozen. So really, our prayers every day should be, God, soften my heart. Open my heart. Run away with me. Take me away. Come away with me. Um, so as followers of Jesus, we are not called to be missional robots. Right? I'm going to go on a rant for a second here. We're not called to be missional robots. I need to live missionally. I need to be missional. I need to participate in a missional church and live the missional lifestyle. Missional, missional, missional. What the heck does missional mean anyways? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Rather, we need to take on the heart of Christ more and more every day. We need the kingdom of God to have a foothold in our hearts and the love of Christ be ra- to be rapidly growing within us, taking root, festering. There is an urgency. Yes, the world is hurting. People are hurting around us. We are pushed and compelled to obey and go and feed the people around us. In obedience, our heart is stretched. It's Remember what I talked about? What equals growth? Everyday faithfulness plus Holy Spirit equals growth, right? Obedience. We need to become obedient people, yes and consistently obedient people, and then the Holy Spirit comes and changes our hearts and stretches us. That's how we grow. If I wanted to grow my biceps, I would do curls, right? And it grows them. Prayer, Holy Spirit, and then this consistent faithfulness and obedience to Jesus. Let's say that again. And Urbana Francis Chan gave a talk about obedience. We need to just obey, right? Obey. That's what, Jesus has authority, right? Jesus has authority, right? We just talked about how Mark is talking about Jesus has authority, right? But we have a problem with authority in our lives, right? Nobody, this is what Francis Chan, nobody likes to obey. Brandon, obey me, right? Thanks, bro, right? But what's wrong? If Jesus is good, if Jesus is the good shepherd, and he has your best interest in mind. What's wrong with obeying him? Right? Get off your high horse and your pride and begin to obey. Well, I'm not going to obey until blah, 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 blah. You know? That place that I eat up. Right? We are entitled people. Let's get it right. Right? We are privileged, entitled people. And so we won't do anything until we come trust the situation, right? All trust. Everyone, uh, we want people to lay out a red carpet. Oh, I love you. You're beautiful. You're gifted. I have no agenda, right? No ulterior motive, right? It's just for you, you know? I'm not going to use you. I'm not going to tease you, right? I'm not going to, you know, disappoint you. And after that's all laid out, we're like, You're not royalty. Come on. 
obey. It's okay to obey. Right? Um, uh, so yes, there's an urgency. The world is hurting. People are hurting us. We are pushed and compelled to obey and go and feed the people around us. In obedience, our heart is stretched. And that's how you grow in compassion. Uh, but before I push that a little too hard, this is not a legalistic process, right? It's not for us to go put notches in our belts, right? I have the love notch, right? I love this person, this person, this person, this person. Uh, this is not for the Christian gold star on our name chart. But this is because we are so moved by Jesus' compassion for us. And we have allowed ourselves to be moved as we love. In this way, we stand with the host of the poor and the powerless, not as aliens, not as other, for we too are the people who are affected and among the poor and the powerless, right? We too are the ones who have cried out, help me, Jesus, we too need. And in standing with our family, our hearts soften and we become people of compassion. And compassion is the beginning of reconciliation. We truly listen because we have compassion. When my brother or sister who are black say to me, black lives matter, I don't say cool or yes, everyone matters or well, can you give me evidence? Can you prove to me that this is an issue? Show me. Right? But I listen to their story, and I believe them, and I hear them, and I stand with them, and I allow myself to be moved by them and affected to my heart, and I have compassion. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Uh, for your compassion for us, for your love and initiation, uh, for your willingness to humble yourself, uh, empty yourself, and come down to us and relate with us and live life alongside of us. I pray that um, you teach us to do that. As we receive your love, that we in turn um, can walk alongside other people can empty ourselves, uh, humble ourselves uh, to be among other people who are suffering, who have stories to tell, and that we would grow in listening, we would grow in compassion, and be moved to love them as we are moved. In your name we pray.